You're listening to Ask Your Ates, a Filipinx mental health podcast. I'm Michelle Mercado Martinez, a licensed marriage and family therapist. And I'm Cynthia Ciadat, a licensed clinical social worker. And who this podcast is for is for our Filipinx community, our kapatids, our adings, and younger us. A little disclaimer, the information contained on this podcast is for educational and informative purposes only, and is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional mental health. This content is not intended to be a replacement for therapy, diagnosis, treatment, advice, or psychological care. This podcast does not constitute a therapeutic relationship and is not implied to be professional mental health, medical, legal, or other advice. These platforms are intended to provide education about mental health, psychology, and general therapy information. If you are in a crisis, please call 911 or visit your nearest emergency department. If you're not in immediate danger, but would like someone to speak with, you can reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. And lastly, if you are listening, one of the things that we want to make sure that we tell you is that if you listen to something that we're talking about and it feels upsetting or unsettling or just generally like causes some kind of unease we want you to be able to take a break take take a breather get up get some water and know that you can always come back yes okay hi kids. It's your authors, Cynthia and Michelle. And we, before we get started today, we are going to do a grounding exercise or Michelle's going to lead us through a grounding exercise, Michelle. So in this moment, we invite you to take up space. We invite you to stretch out and get yourself comfortable. Notice how your body feels to stretch out. Notice any parts of your body that might need extra attention and continue to stretch. Continue to give yourself what you need. Become aware of what supports you. If your feet are on the ground, notice the temperature, the texture, the way the ground feels beneath you. Take a few long breaths. Inhale through the nose and exhale out of your mouth. Repeat that one more time. Now we invite you to welcome all parts of yourself, all aspects of your identity into this space with us. We invite you to slow down, to allow yourself to show up fully. Take a moment to honor that. Take a moment to honor you. We also want to invite you to pause this podcast at any time. We understand that our discussion can bring up a lot of thoughts and feelings of varying intensity. Be gentle with yourself as you listen in and pay attention to what you might need. That invitation in itself can bring up discomfort since we've never really been given permission to give ourselves what we need. Allow yourself to start this practice in a way that feels right for you. Now gently bring yourself back to this space and orient yourself to what's around you. Take your time, pause here if you need to. We'll be ready when you are. And now a quick check-in, Cynthia, how you doing? How you feeling? Oh man, that was really good. I um <clears throat> I was like, okay, bring all of me, bring all of me. And I was like, I am super anxious. <laughs> <laughs> there's, so, there's 
something about this morning that I'm just like, man, my anxiety is on hype today. Um, but I do feel like my body feels way more relaxed. Um, I don't have the kind of like 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 buzzy kind of feeling in my body right now and that was right before we started and so i i needed that i needed that oh i'm glad and you are not alone uh there is something in the air today there's that like i'm gonna try to uh convince my brain that it is excitement and not just like the dread dread It's like the dread of stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so are you ready to dive in, friend? I am. Let's do okay. it. So today is a good one. We're going to be talking about culture, empathy. And I think that we could even get into a little bit like how uh, control works within family dynamics. Mm. Uh, and so I'm wondering if you want to share with us how you would define culture. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think my definition of culture gets influenced by my role as a as a social worker, because I'm always thinking about like what kind of context are people inside of. So like basically, you know, we could have our podcast context, you and I and our kids who are listening, you know, is like we can. <clears throat> We can have our contacts at work. We can have our contacts at school. We can have contacts in our family. And so whenever I think of each of those different contexts, I think of the culture that there's a culture that exists inside of them. And, you know, it's like ever I know last time we talked, we talked a little bit about like code switching and like between mm-hmm. each context, we tend to have different ways of operating, you know, or like different parts of ourselves that we let come up. And so I define culture like the sort of norms, mores, um, practices within a social uh, social context. So, yeah, like those sort of my those sort of mezzo settings, but also like cultural ones. Yeah, I love that. I think that it's really important. And what I'm hearing you say is it's just so much a part of us. Yeah, it's yeah. a part of us wherever we go. We bring it like all of those separate contexts. Like one of the things that I am. I feel really keenly aware of when I'm talking with people is that they're bringing all of that with them. And my hope is for them to bring all of that with them so that there's less of the um, separation, that sense of separation from themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about this question and I, so the way that Cynthia and I have set this up is that we don't want to be like scripted at all. We want to be able to just have a candid conversation. But I will say that I've been thinking about this question since last night, mm. only because I feel like this is part of our first like technical explanation of something. Ah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, yeah. Professional part no, of it's me like, felt like you better important your shit, girl, when you explain this. And so <laughs> you know, like, oh, girl, carrying that you but uh, so I was asking my partner, I was like, well, how would you define culture? And mm-hmm. true to who they are, uh, it was in something that was so like a beautiful and poetic. And it was like, mm. is the multicolored thread that makes all of us. And I was like, damn, OK. Uh, like, I was taking it from like the more scientific and analytical route where I'm uh- like, well, <laughs> I think it's I think it's everything that you were saying. Uh, I see it as something that shapes and defines our worldview. I was even thinking Mm -hmm. about, you know, when do we first really start to experience what culture is? And I think that it's Mm -hmm. when we're super young. Right. So there's like aspects of our culture that we start to learn and um, take in and internalize even before we Mm -hmm. can challenge whether or not we want to be in alignment with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we we are already in it. And then we were like, wait, do, well, how do I operate otherwise? I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. then when we layer on, like if somebody was um, bicultural, multiracial, mm-hmm. all of that just 
adds to the complexity of oh my gosh. This worldview, you know? And so yeah. when I think of culture, I think it is something that is so hard to just define as like, it is just this thing because, oh, you know, totally. like the language, you have the food, you have the tradition, you have all mm-hmm. of that, but really it's how we see the world. It's really yeah. how we like communicate and uh, how we show up in relationship. Yep. Right. Because yep. I know that I show up differently when I am, say, like with you versus mm-hmm. another colleague that doesn't understand my culture. Sure. Right. Oh, for so sure. Yeah. Just yeah. It's 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 wild to see just how yeah. very like embodied. Yeah. For all of us. And and I know that uh, you know we we talked a little bit about this last time as well. It's just like it can be so tiring to try to it's almost like you're you're driving a manual car and you have to shift gears mm-hmm. whenever you get into whichever space and like i feel like that part oh man like i mean i still do it from to, like to some degree i'm sure but like way way less than i used to and that is that is much much better mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like less stressful way 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 less stressful yeah i i have to acknowledge for myself that like you know this code switching that has become so automatic at times it's definitely mm-hmm. um an intentional practice if i do enter into it but i have to acknowledge the fact that like i know that my system will mm-hmm. only code switch if it feels threatened right so uh, if i yeah. feel like i'm not going to be understood if i feel mm-hmm. like nobody's really going to see me if i feel like mm-hmm. if i show up in my true self that it won't be accepted i know that mm-hmm. that's when i put myself into the box but i'm trying more and more to show up and just be like well fuck it like if i'm not gonna be accepted as is then so be it but you know again that's like me working with like that threatening response of my oh my god system. and you're like fuck it like i know right. it. <laughs> it's all rushed in like test <laughs> I, I mean, I get it. I'm like, okay, we're doing this. We're just going to be us. Okay. You know, it, like that is literally what you just described is literally how I'm feeling in this very moment is like my nervous system is on fire. Like I just, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm like, what? I had a lovely morning. I haven't had coffee yet. But, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, like the, the emotions of it just don't always have a logic. And like, so I'm uh, like inside of that, like even the way that like I was sharing my my definition is like even my internal emotional state has its own culture. Like it's my my internal emotional state. I would describe it as like a random state Mm -hmm. like it it doesn't have a lot of rhyme or reason sometimes it does and i can make sense of it but sometimes i just can't like like right now i'm with you and i noticed that like as i start to feel confused myself my voice goes like up 10 octaves like yes i like what the hell that is not what i uh it's not what i sound like damn it yes Yes. But I think that when we do trace it back and we see, okay, so culture is so embedded, like within the things that we see in this world, Mm -hmm. the way that we interact with others. uh, It's one of those things where I actually really had to pause because I was Mm -hmm. like struggling to define it because it is so intertwined with everything that we do. It's so huge. And like, I just don't think that there's any one definition that would capture all of it you know it's like what something Mm -hmm. that you you shared earlier reminded me of that it's like it isn't it isn't one thing to everybody it's like everything to one person yeah because it's like a it's just so dependent on so many different things it's dependent on the on the environment that we find ourselves in the ones that we like kind of trip into and we're like oh oh it was that it was that you were saying like when we find ourselves in an environment and then we realize like oh there's like a a way to operate in here 
mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and like you're, oh. I think one of the things I wanted for us to touch on was what you were referencing in terms of like how we learn it from an early age and oftentimes within our own families or our families of origins yes. or communities of origin. And so how, could you share a little bit about that for you? Like, how did you build your like ability to read people or your empathic skills like early on with your family or your community? Um, and yeah, that's so, that's such a great question. Um, I feel like I need to uh, start with a little disclaimer that there are going to be things that I'm bringing up for myself that um, might not necessarily seem like I have a great relationship with my family. Uh, And Mm. so I do want to honor everything that my parents did for me. um, But equally, I want to grieve the things that I wasn't able to receive that I know I needed. Um, But so that's my little caveat there. But in terms of like, becoming the empath of the family, learning how to read things. This started when uh, I can't even give you a specific time. I just knew that as soon as my my mom walked in to the house after work, I could read her face and I knew how I needed to present myself. So if it was Mm. like, Ooh, she looks stressed. I better make sure that Mm. I act right. I better make sure I don't ask her any questions. I better make sure that I'm trying to be as helpful as possible. Or if she was Mm. like in a better mood, it was like, Ooh, I could take a breath. I knew the expectations weren't going to be high. I knew I wasn't going to be asked about like, did you get all your homework done or da 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 any of those things that it was like kind of, okay, I could just be chill right now. But I, I think that this is such an interesting dynamic that happens where I don't know why direct communication isn't like a thing that we all just should use or, or decided to use from the beginning, right? Like everything was like, mm-hmm. how can I read this passive aggressive kind of communication to know how I should shape my behavior or shape the things that that I want to say? And, and I want to give a little bit of an example of like what passive aggressive communication can really look like here, right? Because this could be just a tone of voice. So I knew mm-hmm. the tone of like, if something was being asked of me, Mm. uh, another way that this came up. And I think that this is actually why I was like, I better have, I better have an answer for like, what is culture is because if I didn't answer fast enough, oh shit, Uh, it was like, you had to be on. And if you didn't answer fast enough, it's like, why aren't you answering me? It's like, because I haven't even formulated my thought because I'm anxious because now I'm completely cut off from like the thinking part of my brain. But, you know, I I was a kid. How could I know any of that was, was happening? Right. And so, yeah, being the family empath really just taught me this is how I need to act and behave in any given circumstance. Uh, I'm curious, how, how did it show up for you? I'm wondering, if this resonates with any of our listeners, I mean, I'm sure it resonates with with a number of our others because I've I've heard it. You know, like I've heard people, other Filipinos that I've met with, talk about that. It's like being being like shaping how they react, shaping how they are based off of like a very nuanced clue. Yeah, and and like something that it was like such a small detail is like I knew. And this isn't anybody's example in particular, but it was like I knew that I needed to behave a certain way when my parent came home and they dropped their bag. Right. You know, it's like that kind of like nuanced pickup. And and so like, oof, like I, it had me thinking about <laughs> I was like, there is a way. So my mom was a nurse and like I, I do also want to preface the fact of like, you know, I mentioned last episode, like me and my mom have had like a really tough time or had a tough time when I was growing up. Um, and, and she was still the person who, when she came home, I felt safe. (laughs) And like, it, it was, it's bizarre because it was both. It was like, I both felt safe and not. Um, but I knew how she was feeling when she got home late at night, I would like stay up. She was a nurse and she would work swing shift and she would come home like at 11, 1130, close to midnight. 
Yeah. And I would know what kind of day she had based off of how quickly that car came into the driveway. Like if it came in and it was like, you know, I knew she had like a relatively, relatively normal day at work, you know, but if she like, if I heard like the, the car come to like a, or shaky halt, we had a, mm-hmm. an 85 Volvo wagon. So it was like clunky. Like you could hear it when it started to break. I would hear her come in and just hear the, hear the gear shift and the, uh, 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 like I'd hear those things from my window. Um, and then the garage door would open. So like a mixture of things I would have to read and interpret. So like that's it, it, like that's how deep I think the trying to read things went in my it, with my family, with with my parents in particular, <clears throat> because there just wasn't language. You know, there wasn't we weren't talking about how we were feeling. It was like. We were showing there were shows of feeling, but there wasn't tells of feeling and um, me building my empath skills in my family and becoming that like emotional reader in my family became like, oh, this this emotion show is different than that other emotional show in this very minor way, like. This is this is a good example. So when I was um, I was like doing a chore like I, I had I had wanted chores really badly as a kid. I didn't have any chores. And like that sounds great mm-hmm. to many people. But like to me, I was like hungry. I was like hungry for chores. I was like, please give me chores. And my parents were like, eh, not chores, no structure. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I need it. I'm going to go nuts. Um, but I remember I was like doing, I was like doing dishes and putting dishes away and I like dropped a plate and it broke. And like my mom is a yeller. She, she will say she doesn't yell. And in, in, from what I understand, she's from Pampanga. And from what I understand, other folks Mm -hmm. from Pampanga's parents also say they don't yell. But then they are like decibel level, just very loud. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So, I've heard that. Mm-hmm. So she was like, she, and so this, this, you know, plate crash and silence. And I, I kid you not, I remember like, like, like almost like bursting into tears because it was silent. And then I hear my mom say, are you okay? What? I was like, what? What? That is confusing. (laughs) You know, like, like I didn't know what silence meant with her at that point in my life. But I was very familiar with something happening, her saying something and saying it loudly, and then me like freaking out and being scared, you know? Yeah. And so so like it was I, I think each one not only did I have to interpret it, it also tended to come like suddenly and like a lot at once. So I had to like uh, there was like a lot of, you know, um sensory input at the time. But yeah, that but that's so chaotic. I mean, it's so emotionally chaotic to do it, to have had it that way. Yeah. I think that reminds me of. Um, OK, I'm going to share with everyone uh, how shitty a parent I can be. I'm just going to call myself out for this one. Um, but I'm also going to I'm going to say it in is that I'm learning y'all. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, speaking of generational <laughs> drama, so. Uh, there was a situation with my oldest where I don't know, I couldn't even tell you what exactly happened, but she Mm. had apologized. Mm. And I was talking to my partner about this and I was like, but you know, she just doesn't seem sorry. I was like, she needs to seem sorry in order for me to like work this out. And I was like, oh shit. Yup. That's a learned pattern. Right. And it made me think Uh of all the times that I had to drop down and be shameful and be embarrassed in order to show that I was really sorry. So it's like Mm. my words 
mm-hmm. weren't enough. If yeah. I was saying, sorry, I had to have the behavior. I had to show them. And then it made me think like, yeah. damn, I had to pacify their anger with my behaviors, not just my words. Uh-huh. And then it was like, oh no, I'm not passing that shit down to my kids. And so, mm-hmm. and I remember my partner was like, but wait, why, why does she need to like show that she's guilty? <laughs> I was like, because that's how it's supposed to be. So again, speaking to this idea, uh-huh. um, there's so much that gets internalized about our culture, our family dynamics yeah. that seems yeah. so normal at the time until somebody is like, what? And <laughs> oh, that's not normal. Oh, okay. I get it. Oh, oh I should just okay. be able to regulate my own shit before I make my daughter try oh to regulate gosh. me. It's so it's such a trauma response, isn't it? It's like a, it's like we are, it, we are so just utterly out of control of other people. Yeah. And, you know, like just utterly out of control, but like, for whatever reason in my brain, I'm like, if I like, and it's probably because of things like what you and I are talking about. It's like having to adjust. And then the outcome is this. Mm-hmm. having to adjust and then i'm like okay then she's a little happier with me if i do it this way you know yes and, and like man that is messed up like i uh i i'm i'm a big fan of looking bad i i don't know it's like it's 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 just real <laughs> Oh, I think but, we just gotta show up that we, way. We gotta right? show like, up. We gotta show up. What, what came to mind just then was like, you know, I I had learned like certain behaviors, and I I think the combination of things where I feel like I learned this was like my family, movies, other people's relationships. I like I, I mentioned before, like I'm I grew up in a predominantly Filipino culture or environment. Mm-hmm. And lots of relation, romantic relationships were really like, like novella level, telenovela level intensity, you know? Yes. Yes. And uh, I, it's nerve wracking, but also so real. And I've shared this with some, some folks I, I've worked with in the past, but like when my husband and I were dating and like, I, I wanted his attention, you know, and in previous partnerships, like I did get attention this way. So it was, it's like a little bit of a mix, but with him, I like was texting him or something and he wasn't responding and he was at work. I was texting him. He wasn't responding. I was getting upset because I was like, ah, you've abandoned me (laughs) or like, you're, you're not with me. You don't like me. Um, It's all those things that like, I don't know what to do. And whoa, now I'm realizing like, huh, it's like that moment with my mom where she was silent. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and so it like sent, sent me like spiraling really. I straight up, we were living in New York on the time. I was in my apartment. I straight up got on the train, red line, right down. And then walk I, I think i must have walked across because i don't remember taking the train across manhattan to his work he was working at a big store big box store on um 59th and 5th and so i got there or not 59th and 5th fifth. Mm, fifth avenue fifth that definitely on fifth avenue i don't know if that's 59th um but i got to his work and i was like i like yelled you know i was like i like in my family of origin i am i was like emotional i don't know that i was a yeller Mm -hmm. but i yelled and i was like like he he like took his lunch and then he like walked out with me and i am straight up yelling like that is normal to do in front Mm -hmm. of somebody's Mm -hmm. workplace and like i i couldn't have told you that it wasn't normal you know or wasn't wasn't the right thing to do in that moment 
I was just like on automatic and like going that way. And he looks at me and he was like, if you are going to talk to me like this, we need to stop talking now. And I need to go back to work. And like, just like, just very plainly, very straightforward. And I, and like, even I remember a part of me being like, (laughs) like, you just don't want to fight with me. And I would have done the same. I can totally picture myself doing something like that. (laughs) I mean, just like, oh my God. It's like, it's like that internal sense of like, I'm not in control of this situation. I don't have the information or the, you know, nuanced information or details that I need to react in the way that I'm supposed to. And then the, the feedback that I do get, I have no idea what to do with that. So it's like, extra extra chaotic but yeah that is i mean that's a little bit of like in terms of like how like the culture that i grew up in like informed my journey with mental health i mean in in regards to my romantic relationships um how would yeah you yeah you were mentioning control and and i'm wondering what are some things that you've learned about control um control in relationships mm-hmm. control with self oh, girl. let's just open that up and see what comes out um what have i learned with control um that the tighter i grip the worse it gets um and yeah that control is a fallacy like there there are certain things i can there are certain things i can control like my behavior but that's about where it ends mm-hmm. it's like that's where it begins and ends because externally i can't control a whole lot and like i was mentioning earlier my emotional state has its own kind of world going on and so i'm like oh yep. okay sometimes i can't even control that and i don't get it but it's really it's really humbling. Like I find myself being like, oh, I can't, like, I can't control that. And then even when I'm like working with people, I'm like, yeah, it's like, man, that's, that is just some stuff that we can't, you know? And it's not for lack of wanting to control it or wanting to make it make sense. It's just like, it just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I had some really, messed up ideas about control. Mm. Uh, So same thing. It was like, yeah, I I just need to like control all of the outcomes. I can do things that are going to uh, shape people's behavior. I can control the way that they're going to think and feel. Uh, But I had like a real swift, like reality (laughs) check with all of that. you know, because again, like when I entered grad school, I was like trying to figure out what is wrong with me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, I, I realized that when I take these ideas, when mm-hmm. I first learned them, I learned them from a very Eurocentric yeah. perspective. And so I needed to understand that some of these things are very Eurocentric, individualistic, and they don't necessarily um, have alignment with collective. So yeah. Yeah. What I learned about control before was like, oh, but we can't control uh, anybody's feelings. We can't control anybody's behaviors. And mm-hmm. I thought that that was the right way. Whereas now I think that I'm more so walking the fine line of, well, wait a second. I know that people have agency and they get to make a decision of what they're going to feel emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but where I'm on the line with this is I also have to realize the impact of my words, yeah. uh, the impact of my behaviors. And so I, I think it's very much so like, oh, no, but they have their own agency. Like before it was so dismissive of like, they mm-hmm. get to decide, right? Where it's like, no, it's actually, you know, the idea that I can make impact. Mm-hmm. I'm responsible for the kindness that I display to myself, that I display to others, the word choice that I decide to use. Mm-hmm. And so I see it more so as this balance right yeah. it's this balance of the individualistic of the things that i can control my thoughts my feelings yeah, yeah and then the collective piece of the impact of my words and behaviors oh my god i love i love that i i, I resonate with the having a collective mindset and then entering and trying to function in this very not collective environment mm-hmm. you know and i i'm putting it a little bit together even just now but like i'm like 
I, I have said multiple times before to people, to my own therapist, to friends, family, like there was a period of my life where I would walk into a room and not realize that I was having any kind of impact on the people around me. Like, I was just like, I'm a ghost. <laughs> you know, it was like, I, I don't know. It was very disembodied. Like we were, you know, it was like very, very disembodied. And so I am, I'm grateful to be where I am now, but it, it's still like, man, that was a wild experience. Like just being like, I, I, oh, why, why did I learn this? Or how did I, what's a way I learned this? I was doing like a coaching at like a personal development course. Mm-hmm. And um, I met a good friend of mine who, who like wanted to do lots of stuff out, out in the world together, like wanted to hang out, wanted to like, we, we were going to do this photo shoot together. And she, she and I had done this course together. And like a big component of it was like this very direct communication, very like, let me tell you, what I'm feeling, the impact of your behavior on me, like not like wrong or right, but just like the impact. Mm-hmm. And I remember being late <laughs> for our photo shoot, as I yeah. was many times at, in my early 20s for things. That Filipino time, huh? Filipino time. Really, <laughs> really bad with me sometimes. Um, like still, still kind of I don't know. I'll get into that another time probably. <laughs> uh, but, but I show up late and she's like she's like a little fumey, you know? Like I and like immediately like I am like, oh yeah, I can pick up like somebody is upset. And she tells me, she's like, hey, you know, like you didn't come when you said you would come on time. And the impact of that on me is that I felt frustrated and like you didn't care about my time. And I was like, what? Mm. What do you mean? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Something I did affected you and affected you negatively. Like that kind of reaction I was not used to at that point in my life. And like, I just, I, I, and that was probably one of the earlier moments where I was like, Oh, I'm not just like this, like apparition (laughs) moving around and people don't notice and like whatever people notice. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, that, yeah, that came up for me when you were sharing. What what do you feel like? You know, it's funny because you mentioned like, you mentioned like this apparition, right? And it made me think of how sometimes our superpower is our ability to read rooms, right? Because it's like, oh, yeah, that's how I can make sure that I control my space, right? It's like, I'm going to read the room. I'm going to know how to show up, right? But then true to what I know that I'm working on is it's like, but maybe it's less about reading a room. And maybe it's more about I'm gonna mm-hmm. show up. <laughs> I'm gonna show up, right? Yeah. And that's why I need to start yeah. looking at how I can control what I can for myself. Yeah. Can you can you talk a little? Continue that thought. I, I'm interested to hear more because it's it's like related to something we wanted to talk about today in terms of like how culture informed your journey with mental health. Yeah. So. Or, or and, and oh, and also like how it's helpful or not so helpful. Yeah, yeah. So um, I really have to acknowledge the fact that it's like you know I did grow up around a lot of other Filipinos, but I always felt like I was different than. Mm. Like I always felt like I was the quote unquote whitewashed one. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't really. Like my parents didn't really hang out with a whole bunch of other Filipinos. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I always felt like I was different. So my first experiences with our culture when I was growing up was that I am different than I am separate from. And it wasn't until like when I was in college that I really started to try to embrace my identity because I don't know how I convinced myself that it's like, I'm one of them. I am one of the other people. I am not Asian. Look at my freaking face. My eyes are like almost closed all the time because I'm so like almond shaped. And it's like, I'm trying to convince myself, oh no, that's like not me, right? But I think it's because Mm -hmm. when I was taught about culture, 
And like when specific things were taught to me about culture growing up, it was always the like the fat shaming, the um, colorism, Mm -hmm. all of the Mm -hmm. things that wouldn't necessarily be um, something that we'd really want to hold on to, like crab mentality. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas, Mm -hmm. wait Mm -hmm. a second, that is that's such a narrow view of what Mm -hmm. our culture actually is, because. I know that for me, it's like, well, one of the the best things I think about our culture is like that sense of kapwa. Um, And so I felt it like the second you had the consultation group and like we interacted, it was like, yeah. Oh, wait, this is what it's like to know someone, to know them even deeper than mm-hmm. what's just being communicated, right? To like have almost even that like soul connection mm-hmm. because I didn't experience that. I was, I think that really what was happening is I was blocking myself off from culture because mm. of how I had been hurt by it of like, yeah. oh, they're just making fun of me because I'm fat, right? Or mm-hmm. they're just saying this and I'm not meeting expectations. So I was like, oh, I didn't want to be a part of that I had to differentiate yeah right and then let alone the experience with my parents where it's like you know I don't know what what specifically like my mom might have gone through but I know that she only has like a very small group of like Filipino friends and Mm -hmm. so it was it was kind of like oh it's very different and the the Filipino friends that I had I know that you know I know that my parents were accepting of them Mm -hmm. but at the same Mm -hmm. time it was also like they were othered because my mom really did cherish all of my other friends not that she didn't like appreciate them i don't know it's this really strange dynamic again that i had to try to feel out and understand for myself but because i never really asked the questions all i got was that making filipino friends maybe isn't the direction that i should be going in Mm, like the not not non-verbal communications you were getting were like this is the direction you want to go in exactly right so it's like you know i still Mm -hmm. don't know but you know i was a teenager so you just make these quick connections of like i guess this is what it means right but then it was like i had to i had to make sense of this idea of how can i be like a person that identifies as Filipina, but not be accepting of that piece for myself, culturally speaking, Mm -hmm. right? Because our culture isn't just defined by like those negative views, but that's Mm -hmm. what was like really centered for me. So I think that that's actually like, I see that as the start of my journey. And then again, you know, I had that therapist that was like, what do you mean you can't have boundaries? What do you mean that... What do you mean you don't have your own? I laughed about that for like a week. I was like, oh my God, you know, this thing that Michelle said that made me laugh. Yeah, because it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, and this this therapist trying to get me killed, like stand up to my parents like that, right? But then it's like, when I see who I am now and I see what culture really is, mm-hmm. I can see how I've been able to be more at peace with me and not have such an internal conflict when I started to really immerse myself in the community. When I really started to understand what is Kapwa? How is this something that I need to be invested in? I mean, I'm invested in it no matter what, right? But it's like, yeah, yeah. Because it's just but there's, part of us. There's an, in, there's an inter interpretation of it like I, I I've been you know I've been doing a lot of looking at and reflecting on Kapwa and like thinking about like what does that mean like what are we talking about in terms of like that deep knowing of each other yes and like like my my favorite definition is from Ate Eileen Tavios she wrote um, that Kapwa, let me see if I can say this correctly, refers to shared self or shared identity where we're not the other person, but everyone and everything is connected. Yes. And I love like, that. That's so much more beautiful. Like I used to see things with like, like I would go to um, like Pista Sanayon in Vallejo and Kababayan Fest in San Francisco. And I'd see things with Kapwa on it. And like, kid you not, as a young person, I would be like, whatever, Kapwa. But I, I think that it got tainted with colonialism, for sure. Um, I think that our indigenous roots of Kapwa were very, very beautiful. 
and very, uh, you know, very akin to what I understand American Indians have to their connection to the natural world around them, including other people. Yes. And like when I think about like just historically, the things that have happened between the U.S. and between the Philippines and, you know, just being colonialized in general, because Philippines was colonialized by like every other country on this planet. Um, <laughs> it is like, right. Like, I just keep thinking like, yeah, it must have gotten trampled on. Like the idea of like, you know, it's like, you know, we're 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 stereotypically known for being very hospitable as Filipinx, you know word and to have somebody who's a colonizer come and be welcomed in that way it's like oh this is great easy to colonize <laughs> you know it's like they are they are welcoming us you know it's like that's what i imagine happened i don't know that that's yeah. what happened but that's what my my internal sense is telling me happened and, and like i i just yeah, I, I'm really, I'm really grateful to Ate Eileen because she she defined it in the way that felt more accurate. Yeah. So I need to acknowledge the fact that like as you're saying all of this beautiful truth, I am in like such strong alignment. Uh, I feel like like jumping up and down right now and be like, oh, we're gonna go there, y'all. We're gonna talk about yeah. this. We're gonna talk about ah. the impact, right? Because I think that there's so much to be said about how the beautiful idea of Kapla has been tainted by like colonialism, but how not just that Filipino value, but how so many values have been yeah. shaped, unfortunately, by colonialism. But y'all, that's like preview because we are going to have a whole episode uh, on decolonization. So, but there you go. Yeah, like we're going, I am, I'm ready. I was like, Ooh, my spirit is in it. Let's go. But okay, I'm, I'm a whole, yeah. <laughs> but I, I do want to connect with you and with our other Kapitid listening is just like our, mm-hmm. that experience of feeling shunned by the community or feeling talked shit about. I mean, we all know cheesiness. You know, mm. it's like we all know cheesiness and we all know words like, you know, like the and thang it. And, you know, it's like there's a lot of a lot of stuff that gets said around us that, of course, as little people or younger people, we're like, of course, they're saying that about me when I'm not there. Yeah. You know, it's like that kind of reaction and i i want to echo just what you were saying in in terms of my own experience of how our culture shaped my mental health i i did like a a real like separation from our culture like beginning in college because i had that predominantly filipino community when i was growing up in elementary school through high school yeah. and like just so many different traumas related to just like the people in the community, not like the culture necessarily, but the association became very close. It was like, oh, my trauma happened with this person, with this person I dated. So, and they were Filipino. So I don't date Filipinos. Yes. Or something, you know, like the, however my brain made sense of it at the time, it wasn't even really, um, like, uh, what is it called? It wasn't even really conscious for me at that moment. And I I just would not. And like, I really, when I, when I think about that separation, because I straight up, I grew up with like some of like the same people from like elementary school through high school. Like we were a small group of mm-hmm. like 30 kids. And like, we went with each other through elementary school to high school. And the, the group grew and everything because all these like other Catholic schools combined into one high school. But like, I remember just like as looking back now as a woman in my 30s, looking back at my college experience and seeing my mental health trajectory over time, I can see how when my when my disconnection from my Filipino upbringing and my background and my culture and my and my community grew, my mental health went down 
I can see that direct correlation between like, uh, as I went through college, I separated a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And I can see my mirror, like just like a downward slope. And I don't, I, I wasn't like, I, I'm only saying that, that I know that retrospectively, I don't even, I didn't really realize that in the midst of it, but I see it retrospectively and like, I see also how my for my colonialized mindset that I had inherited, like impacted my view of of our culture of like Papua to me very much. And I, I actually I wrote a piece for Asiana Post recently to talk about this a little bit more. But like we were, you know, Kapwa for me meant like. Like uh, like we had no identity. Like we, we didn't have an individual person mm-hmm. and like, and then I didn't really re- understand that until I was confronted by it. Like a few years ago when a colleague of mine, like, gosh, I was talking, we were talking after we had a group consultation for, for our team and my colleague who is uh, a, a white presenting male. um you know, was was hosting our our consultation group and another Philippinex person was in the group talking about their reactions at the time. It was like in 2020. So it was like their reactions to George Floyd's passing. Mm-hmm. And they were getting tearful and emotional and upset. And I was listening and like keep feeling keenly attuned to this person because of their their immediate, like my immediately identifying they were also Filipina, Filipinex. And so I was like, oh man, like I really, I hear you. And so, and then I noticed that my colleague, my male colleague was like, oh, like as soon as that, my Filipinex colleague was done sharing, Mm -hmm. my male colleague was like, huh, like like talked about something that wasn't related to their share at all like it, it, somehow in their share they had talked the Philippinex colleague had talked about moving and so that was all that was where my white presenting colleague mentioned like that's the thing that he referred to when he responded to her sharing i was like oh that's odd like, I, I really want to make sure. And, and like my my brain wasn't even like offended at that point. But I was like, oh, uh, when I share, I'm going to share about my reaction, too. And like, yes, it, it was like my automatic. And this is what I find with other Filipinx anyway. But like, it's very automatic for us to want other people to feel very OK, like feel very connected and not alone. Yeah, definitely. And like. I was like, oh, I don't want that person to feel alone. So when I share, I'm going to share about my reaction to George Floyd. So I do. And I become tearful. And I am, you know, I at the time I was pissed um, and sad um, and feeling really complicated feelings because of my both privileges and not privileges. So I'm sharing about that. And I'm outside in uh, on my patio and we have an outdoor patio seating area at our house. And um, and my white presenting male colleague says, God, it looks so nice where you are. You said you're outside. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. What? Like, like I, I didn't say anything to them in the moment but i talked to them afterwards and i was i brought it up to him because i was like mm. dude like when when i talked like this is the thing that you said and i noticed you also said it with this other colleague of ours and i just didn't understand so please help me understand and like there was like a total like missed opportunity of connection in that conversation because when i referenced my my other Filipinx colleagues' comments and their reaction to everything going on. My white presenting male colleague referenced it as my codependence, like my noticing their pain, my noticing their sharing, my listening as their as codependence. 
that was the moment where I was like, I am offended. Like, what are you talking about? That is not codependence. This is, uh, and I was like, uh, you mean, no, not codependence, interdependence. And I'm glad that I said that in that moment with him. But like, man, that like really lit a fire under my butt because I was like, nope, that is not how I'm going to have folks that. who are outside of our culture talking about. Like, I felt that. I felt that. Like, wait, what? I'm like, like man. I'm like, I'm, your dog <laughs> felt it too. <laughs> my dog felt, I know. He, he waited until I was He's done talking. I just wanted to say that, like, as soon as you told that story, like, automatically, my nervous yeah. system was like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, anyway, but yeah, you you were saying, sorry, before my dog had something to chime in with. <laughs> I just need to acknowledge that. But I think that, you know, when we look at our at our stories, when we look at our journey, um, and even just going back to this topic of um, culture, empathy, and control, right, it, it just makes me think about we're all so different in our stories, but yet we're still so part of the same. Right. Oh my gosh. Uh, and, and it, it makes me think about when, when I was struggling myself to think like, am I even Filipino enough? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and to hear how each of us are all Filipino enough, but we just have different stories. Mm-hmm. And that's what mm-hmm. adds to the beauty and the richness of our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that's related to the uh, like a stigma that's been important for you personally to challenge? Partly, I, I think that like just in looking at the stigmas that I've been trying to challenge, one of the biggest ones was that you needed to be crazy to go into therapy. Mm, yeah. Um, right. And, and so, but when I, when I peel it back, it was like, but how do you define crazy? Like, what does that even mean? And is that even true? Right. So it was like this idea of like, yeah. wait, like, and, and, and I, and I do want to say there's, 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 there's things I'm feeling about even using the word crazy, right. Because sure, it's, like, yeah. it's so ableist. Um, and that frames it as if mm-hmm. any kind of mel- mental health challenge is something that we should shun or move away from when I think that we're just all in a space where how can we be more accepting of ourselves? How can we challenge these different isms that come up? Uh, mm-hmm. But so the mm-hmm. way that it really came out for me, like this, the stigma was that you needed to be X diagnosis to go into therapy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. When it's like, no, I... I mean, I can be all of the diagnoses if, if that's where I'm at. If if we really dig, I've got them. I know. All. Like, <laughs> I, I can. I can be. I can. I can like own up to whatever diagnoses. Yeah. But equally too, it's like sometimes you just need therapy because everybody needs freaking therapy. Because there yeah. is all of this internalized bullshit that we like are just being confronted with and needing to see like, well, wait a second, does this still fit for me? Yeah. And yeah. how like, yeah, we can be reflective, we can be insightful, we can journal, we can do all of those things, but we can equally mm-hmm. have a professional walk this journey with us. Yeah. And help us to see some of our blind spots. And so yeah, that was the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, everybody needs therapy. Like shit, my my kids already yeah. have a therapy fund because I know that's that time gonna happen you know right it's like there is and that's like connected to that control piece you can't control how they interpret the world around them exactly yeah it's why like my mom despite her best efforts and intentions could not control how i saw stuff Mm -hmm. and how i experienced stuff that is just way beyond her and like objectively there were things that were not great with with stuff between us but there was also stuff that was more subjective yeah more more from my point of view as a younger person interacting with their filipino mom and what comes up for you what is what is the most important stigma that you've been trying to challenge with mental health i think talking about it at all you know i i feel like it, it feels so like, I know that in many white spaces, like talking about mental health is very like fashionable, 
You know, it's like, it's very like, I've got my therapist, my coach and my guru, you know, it's like, there's like in white spaces, but I feel like in the mental health space for Philippinex, it still has a little bit of an air of taboo and a little bit of an air of like, there's an expert and there's, there's a not expert. And I, and I'm like, no, like, like I might like for, and uh, I I like to say this as like, you know, with with the parts of my identity that I do own, like I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I'm in private practice. I'm a therapist. I graduated from an Ivy League. And I am here to tell you there is no expert more so than you on your own life. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to say that just like over and over and over again to people. And like, it's like you have mental health as much as you have physical health yes and the two intertwine you know it's like we we don't we we tend to um or like i tend to also is like value the like scientific over the intuitive but like i one of the my favorite things to do with people is like point out what they're already intuitively doing that's good for their mental health Yes. You know? Yeah. Like somebody told me the other day that they were, oh, this is how um, I think I was mentioning to you earlier, like uh, we're talking about um, uh, voiceovers, like cartoon voiceovers. Yeah. And like one of my one of my folks is like, that's what I want to do. And I was like, that's amazing. (laughs) But like, I would never have thought of that. Because I am not in their brain. I'm not in their life. I know my, I am an expert on me and my mental health. And so I can talk about it. I can talk about my mental health. I can talk about that. And so what, what I, what I, the stigma that I feel like I'm constantly trying to challenge is talking about it at all, bringing it all into the light. It's like, if we, have to if we have to put parts of ourselves in the shadow like i don't want that cynthia you keep revving me up like i'm ready to talk about this like idea of yeah. experience right because you're so yeah. what an accurate assessment i think that far too often when we even are just looking about looking at mental health generally speaking um there is this oh you need to know about yeah. it before you even talk about it and it's like no let's just have the conversation because mm. there is nothing Mm-mm. that i can do or say that's going to take away from your lived experience and you're right we are the ones that like have the the expertise in our lived experience and that shows up wherever we go look at us coming full circle because again here it is it's like here's culture here's our lived experience Mm. this is the way that we are this is the way that we're showing up and it should be talked about yeah we should take up the space yeah abs (laughs) boom okay i'm done i'm done with my little brand (laughs) um what do you think can we this feels good to like pause here what do you think it feels good, but I feel like we could even do another podcast from like just I know, on. just to like keep up. We will, we will, and it'll get released a little bit later. Yes, but no, I agree. I think that I'm feeling complete. I'm feeling real complete right here. And and so can we do a, a closing breathing and then be good? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so... <laughs> For for you, Michelle, for our capitids, our audience who are listening, please sit nice and comfortable. You know, find a comfortable seat. Uh, take a moment. And then I want you to also find a comfortable position for your eyes. So like eyes closed could be a thing or fixed on one spot could be a thing like right in front of you. Um, either one. You just don't want your eyes to move around a whole lot. Michelle, you got it? I got it. Okay, awesome. And now I want you to take a couple of deep breaths with me. So go ahead and exhale all your air out. And what I'm going to have us do, let your breath return to normal. What I'm going to have us do is just pay attention to the sound sensation of your breath 
and just focus on that for a full minute. And if ever you find your focus kind of wandering, just gently pull it back to that sound and sensation of your breath. And we have this, you know, it's really tempting to kind of rip back the focus, but we just want to like handle it like a cloud. So really gently just pull it back to the sound and sensation of your breath. And because I got a barking dog, I'm probably going to mute. But I'll let you know when the minute starts. The minute starts now. Anytime. How you feeling, Michelle? That was good. That was a nice way to wrap it up. Nice. Good. All right. Addings, it was nice to have you in the conversation with us today. We love you. Thank you for listening. Anything else, Michelle? Just we appreciate you listening and we really hope that we can continue um, to just deliver resources for our community. It's something that we're both very passionate about. So thank you for joining us. I'm Cynthia Ciudad, along with Michelle Mercado Martinez, and we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our discussions about Philippinex mental health. We loved making this episode for all of you in our community, and we want to hear from you. What questions do you have about mental health? Feel free to email them to us at askyourautispodcast at gmail.com. Last but not least, we could not do this alone, and we'd like to thank our community of partners for their support for this podcast. To Archie Natividad of Filipino Fridays podcast for her editing and producing this much-needed resource for our community. To Danny Martinez for creating our beautiful graphic, and Fahed Siadat for composing our wonderful music. Thank you again for listening. We love and appreciate you all.